another episode of Mike, Mike, and Oscar, October 16th, 2019, four years to the day of the release of another Oscar-contending film, Jack Black's Goosebumps movie. Uh, we are here today talking about Dolomite Is My Name. That is the review we will be laying down for you. I am co-host Mike One. This is co-host also Mike. Strangely enough, Jack Black actually parodied the fact that he played a million parts in a comedy movie in Tropic Thunder like Eddie Murphy did in The Nutty Professor. I see. And well, I guess go. that is full circle. That's art imitating art, I think, is where that one That's falls what under. That is, so, yes. uh, we're doing Dolomite Is My Name. This had a theatrical release, and we were lucky enough to catch it. I don't know why Netflix decided to put this one wide, but they did. This was showing at a couple theaters in Connecticut. We were lucky enough to catch it on its opening night, so that's what we're going to be giving the Oscar Sprint Profile breakdown for today. If you've not joined us before for an OSP, an Oscar Sprint Profile, as we call it, what they are are two reviews for the price of one. The first half of every OSP is is going to give you a non-spoiler review. That's where we go over the production value, the profile, how the movie got made, etc., etc. Uh, we will hold everything up to an Oscars lens in the non-spoiler section as well. We will have a spoiler warning that'll bring you into the second half of our reviews, which is the spoiler reviews. That's when we dive into the plot. We talk about highs and lows, what we liked, what we didn't like. I think I just said likes as a plural. That's all right. We'll talk about those there too. Uh, so that's the breakdown of the OSP. And like we said, Dolomite is my name is the movie that was going to get the treatment today, the Eddie Murphy kind of a comeback effort. We'll get into it. We'll see if it has Oscar legs, but Mike's going to start us off with a production profile. Yeah, Dolomite Is My Name is directed by Craig Brewer of Hustle & Flow, Black Snake Moan, 10 episodes of Empire. He is also attached to direct Mr. Murphy again in coming, the number two America, coming to America. That already worries me. That title worries. It should just be coming us. to America too, right? Right. <laughs> I guess. But they have a preposition in yeah. there and they have to do this. Yeah. The screenplay uh, for this Dolomite was co-written by Scott Alexander and Larry Karaszewski. And this is important because they have written Ed Wood, Big Eyes, The Assassination of Gianni Versace, and The People vs. Larry Flint. This is safe territory for these two guys, these two writing partners. Yeah, this is Eddie Murphy's, like I said, his big comeback effort here. He plays Rudy Ray Moore, Wesley Snipes, Keegan-Michael Key, Chris Rock, Snoop Dogg, Titus Burgess, Craig Robinson, Mike Epps, Cody Smith-McPhee, and T.I. also star. But the breakout star from this movie, no doubt, is Divine Joy Randolph from This Is Us and Office Christmas Party. She'll now be introduced as Divine Joy Randolph from Dolomite Is My Name. Name, no doubt afterwards from here yeah that's 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 a cool story coming out of this film netflix is of course the production company and distributor on dolomite is my name with murphy also attached as a producer in terms of the crew cinematographer is eric steelberg you said that like a guy from pittsburgh just then oh yeah cinematographer have i been watched <laughs> when was the last time i watched the kroll show where they made fun of pennsylvanian accents i don't know but the kroll show i watched probably the larry bird impersonation three times a year still porn wars <laughs> right uh and yeah the larry bird impression it will fucking end you magic johnson he he is he is one of the best comedians at accents Period. Probably a good, yeah. Linguistic I, I talents. Yeah. He, he, is, he is up there. Anyway, the cinematographer is Eric Steelberg. From <laughs> Sliding the, seamlessly into a Nick Kroll retrospective in this Dolomite Is My Name review. You're going to let me get through Eric to, Steelberg? We're off to a great start. Eric Steelberg's an important guy here, Mike. He uh, He's done a, a bunch of Jason Reitman films, which is cool, up in mm -hmm. the air, etc., etc. Scott Bomar is from Brewer's previous movies. He does the music. Ruthie Carter from much of Spike Lee's filmography and the 
Oscar winner from Black Panther is the costume designer. Much more to say about her. Mm -hmm. This film premiered at Toronto International Film Festival last month, September 7th. It has since been lavish with praise, as it currently holds a 98% on Rotten Tomatoes on 99 reviews with an accompanying 100% audience score. On IMDb, it sits with a 6.8 with a 78 Metascore as well. Netflix hasn't released any numbers on these few weeks in limited release. Uh, Of course, they haven't because that's what they do. They don't release numbers. Unless the numbers are like eye-popping. Netflix is just Skynet. But as movies go, I think I'd be happy if this one gained some eye-popping numbers. It's a movie I'm glad somebody is making because we don't get a lot of these movies about making movies anymore it's only they're few and far between uh, ed wood the disaster artist i mean if i guess if you go to the theater side of things waiting for guffman i love this genre i really do yeah i do too i i feel like i have nothing to base this off of because i can't think of a title to save my life Tropic i feel Thunder. like this has been more prevalent in like the last couple of years well the disaster more so yeah right that's the that's the big one but i I don't know. I feel like there's more, but I could be talking up my ass here and just making bland statements with well, nothing to back it up with. Well, you're often Ace Ventura on this uh I was going to say our president. Uh, Plot premise breakdown. Eddie Murphy portrays real-life legend Rudy Ray Moore, a comedy and rap pioneer who proved naysayers wrong when his hilarious, obscene, kung-fu-fighting alter ego, Dolomite, became a 1970s blaxploitation phenomenon. So, expectations here, and I think the big question is... Is this worth going to see in theaters? Are you just waiting for it to drop on Netflix? Because it will be out another week, you know, us putting it out this early here. Look, my expectations were high because Ann Thompson, who I really trust, she loved the movie. Mm-hmm. So I did expect a good time. Like I said, I love that subgenre. But I think I was a little skeptical of going to see this a week early in the theaters we were making fun of ourselves last week we're like we could claim to be just patrons of the cinematic experience once and for all because we did this right Mike? yeah we're holding up our theater going experience uh, as something of no I, I don't know what my expectations were i guess i was expect, expecting more of an eddie murphy oscars vehicle right i don't think we really got that at all here i know we're gonna get into that but it was a fun movie mm-hmm. i don't think i'm going to remember this movie in like a month especially with how many movies are coming out in the end of 2019 but all that being said it's going to be on netflix it's going to be easy to throw on for a rewatch will you rewatch this movie you think i think so i don't think i I will well we'll talk about Mm -hmm. it let's get into production values here i wanted to go sound to sight because the first three scenes of this film a bunch of scenes in this film Great music, great soundtrack right from the opening Marvin Gaye song through the end of the film. I was moving. Let me beat a dead horse here. Craig Robinson has better lip syncing in this movie than Renee Zellweger does in Judy. Yeah, he's... That's a fact. That's just a fact of what happens in those two films. Look it, I think... You had a bad print. I know Ryan L. Terry backed you up. Yeah. I didn't notice it once. Well, you're maybe, a minority. Maybe I'm writing notes during that movie. Maybe that's what it was. But uh, I'm usually right on, and I trust my 2020 vision. Like It's like a hawk. So, you, whatever helps you sleep at night, man. No, don't make me out like this is Oh, you're bravado. wrong. No, you're wrong. Like, this is you're, you are clearly incorrect, but that's fine. Who uh, cares? As Mike. far as other music in this, one of the things I did was watch the Dolomite trailer and a couple of the Dolomite things, the real stuff. Yeah. I feel like they got the music dead on mm-hmm. as well as some other things, but they also relied on uh, a couple of songs that I didn't know. I Ain't Studying You by Bobby Rush, Slippery When Wet by the Commodores. Nice. They had a very 70s, very exploitation sound and feel to it. The late 60s, early 70s music 
in this year's soundtracks is unparalleled. Yeah. We've gotten the best really, ever really with good. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood with this movie. Now all we need is like a great 80s movie soundtrack. Th- and this we're... is just selfish in my thinking, but mm-hmm. I wonder if these filmmakers all knew that. I mean, this is hustle, the Hustle and Flow guy, so he's very musical oriented as it is. We know sure. that. But I wonder if people saw you know, Scorsese's coming out, Tarantino's coming out. These are the guys that are masters of scoring their films with relevant and current music and soundtrack songs, I should say. So I wonder if that had any kind of impl- implication or any kind of subconscious playing with how people score their films. Because you're right, I feel like everyone's kind of stepped their game up, especially in comparison to just the last few years we've been doing this. Over, under, three and a half, Bob Dylan and Rolling Stone songs in The Irishman. Oh. Three and a half. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't think you were getting a this today, combination. Folks. Well, you know you're probably getting one each. So that's at least, I'll go I'll go under just because I feel like he spreads the love around. But I, I feel like if one of them isn't featured, that'll be a shock. So I should have said two and a half. Yeah, two and a half. Two and a half, half is better number. over yeah. under. Wow. Netflix has a lot of money to spend on music. <laughs> Mike, the uh, the site for this movie, the cinematography I thought was fine. It's a little meta in, in terms of the, the movie within the movie there. Not so a lot can, of camera movement. A lot no. of establishing, a lot of zoom-ins, right. but not a lot of moving around, yeah. Crisp pictures. Mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed it. Production design is very strong, I thought. I thought it really lives as a period piece. You got record stores, you got the streets, you got all the movie theaters, but... Listen, the two stars of the production values, in my mind, yep. makeup and hairstyling and yep. costumes. Ruthie Carter is better at her job than I think anyone in Hollywood is at theirs. I, she's just awesome. <laughs> she she nails. It. I mean, first of all, the costumes in this are awesome if you take them in a vacuum. Yes. right? If you, They just look stunning. Well, we were going nuts about all the stills when they, those were posted. I mean, how many times have I included them on our artwork for these episodes throughout the Oscar race checkpoint season, throughout our, you know, 100% accurate predictions. I've loved researching all of those stills and and this movie dropped my jaw at some of these costumes. I mean, when Divine Joy Randolph wears a green dress, I'm like floored. It was the most beautiful dress I've ever seen. Eddie's got like four or five outfits. Keegan-Michael Key has the snooty ones, which I love too. Uh, oh my God, I, I, I'm i thrilled by these costumes. Yeah, there's all kinds of highlights. You mentioned some, but everything Eddie Murphy wears, mm-hmm. he's got like this plaid number he's doing. He's got this... Carolina light blue with gold <laughs> accent things. And I like how everyone had a fedora to match in this movie. Top These are fedora, guys yeah. down on their luck and yeah. down on their money, but they still have the enough disposable income to have matching fedoras with all of their outfits. And the shocking part is... Again, in a vacuum, I think they're all one thing. If you go back and watch the original Dolomite trailers and some pieces from those movies, it is spot on. Oh, good. It is spot Especially the kung fu with the, the checkered piece, the black and white thing he's wearing in the driveway and doing bad kung fu with and putting guys in trunks. It is the exact... I don't know where you find that in society today, but it's the exact same costume. It's outstanding. And he got a showcase for these costumes, too, because there's slow motion shots when they change outfits. You got <laughs> him true. dressing a few times. You got him in front of a mirror. You know, they really, really accentuate all of these, these looks, which I think is going to help you know, not that she needs it, but it's going to help Ruthie Carter at the end of the day. Of all the things I was expecting, I guess I should have expected because it is Ruthie Carter, this to be nominated. To me now, this I think this has to be nominated for costume design. It's just so good. Well, if you're going to nominate Rocket Man, this right. is on par yeah, with that in my, in my mind. Makeup and hairstyling, I thought that was fantastic too. There's a ton of wigs by all accounts here. And I can't tell what are wigs. I can't yeah. either. 
and I'm always on that yeah, soapbox, which which is really just a, a me problem. It's, it really is. <laughs> it's an interesting soapbox to be on. Because I'm but... going through hair loss. I, I still have envy. hair. It's just envy. On it's your just part, envy yeah. and jealousy and all you my don't, You shouldn't fool people into thinking, you have a full head of hair. I could see that's a wig. That's, right. Yeah, I get I, it. I'm sensitive right, to it. I get it's it. just the way it is. And it's just a t- that time in my life. Where I'm extra sensitive. It's been to a it. lot of introspection in the last, the first half of this review. First half of this review? Are you kidding me? And like every episode we do, especially the last two weeks. What are we doing? We're like, I mean, losing it. And Oscar season hasn't even really started yet. Jean Paul Sartre's got nothing on us. Can we get into performances, Mike? Yeah. Let, again, I was expecting far more Eddie Murphy range. He brings it. Yeah. I think this is a performance he can be very proud of, and I think this is a performance. That, for all intents and purposes, I think should kind of propel him back into the mainstream. I mean, not that he has a lot of work to do. I think Eddie Murphy could make 8,000 Norbits in a row and still be Eddie Murphy. So Mm -hmm. I I don't think he has that high a bar to cross ever. But for what it's worth, I think he does a phenomenal job. I don't think it rises to the level of Oscar contendership. It's a showcase. Again, there's a quantity of strong work here, and it's a performance piece. So you get Eddie Murphy on the comedy club stage for a lot of this movie. You get Eddie Murphy doing movie star things. Is he doing best actor things? He's kind of hamming it up in mirrors he's not getting all emotional in mirrors necessarily so to me are there as many oscar real scenes as i expected no there aren't but in terms of charisma he's got that to spare well that's his yeah that's his whole motif that's yes. how it's been since he and he's funny oh yeah of course yeah, yeah he's hilarious uh this character was kind of one note it's just that that one note was optimistic and inspirational which is always a pleasure to be around Yes, it's very likable. He's a very likable. Right. It's he, a very likable movie, and he's a he very likable. He really only film. loses it and gets down on himself on in one scene. He lets well, the frustration boil over. He does have that bravado that carries him through. Right. Even when he's down, he's always kind of giving himself pep talks again. I thought it was a heartwarming performance. I did too, yeah. By the end of it, there, there is an arc for him. I, I take some quabbles with the screenplay <laughs> right, for sure. sure we're going to get into yes. that in terms of where i rank him right now because we said we we're going to do our oscar lens throughout here he's my number three right now and that's oh, wow. that's a tough call but i really like the performance i don't think he's going to hold up because I, I haven't seen adam driver and jonathan price yet so i'm guessing he's going to get bumped i'm going to talk about antonio banderas in pain and glory in our next oscar race checkpoint but i mean to me, this is more movie star than Oscar. This is Taron Egerton to me, and I expect you know it's probably on the fringes of my yeah. my five or six right yeah. now, and I don't expect it to be anywhere near there at the end of the day. I do have him in front of yeah. Brad Pitt, Nat Astra, and Taron Egerton in Rocket Man, but that's probably because of you and because of our review of Ad Astra. That's because of you lately with Taron Egerton. Because I was like, I was trying to slot him in between those three. He's on that tier for me. Yeah, that's probably fair. That's probably fair. So Wesley Snipes, you're pretty high on Wesley Snipes. I loved Wesley Snipes. I think the script does his character's motivation dirty sometimes. Yeah, I, I agree. don't think it makes a lot of sense. But as far as what he's putting forth in the performance, I was kind of wowed by him. Again, I don't know that it's going to have the momentum to carry him through to any kind of relevance, but if we're going to pick a performance that I think should be highlighted for Oscar contendership, I think Eddie Murphy might be third on my list behind Snipes and behind Divine Joy Randolph. 
Now, I disagree just overall yeah. because I, I'm not as high on those other two performances, I don't think. I, I, here's the thing. Snipes is very much doing a caricature of this guy. Did he get the mimicry right? I don't know. You right. watched the trailers. I didn't. We both should watch this movie. He, he is not featured much in the trailers. It's a lot of uh, Rudy Rudy Ray whatever. More, yeah. Rudy Ray more. <laughs> that's the movie, too. Yeah. Uh, in terms of Divide Joey Randolph, I thought she's good, and I think it's a scene-stealing performance. Right. But she is stealing these scenes like... A 1966 Batman villain with a mask on over her fa- painted face because it's so obvious that they're that she is getting the scene or that she is feeling the scene. And I hated the yeah, writing the, around the her script. Character. The script around a lot of these characters, I think, does a lot of bad. I don't expect any performance to be Oscar nominated. So Snipes is my four thus far in yeah. supporting actor, and Divine Joy Randolph is my eleven right now. I just think this is a deep year for strong supporting actresses but i'll be honest i'm going to qualify that statement because i don't think any of them including j-lo are up to par on the last 15 nominees of the last three years in best supporting actress and i i literally looked at each one i'm like is j-lo better than her Is, is she better than her no and i don't think divine joy randolph as fun and charismatic as her role is here I don't think it's on those levels, and that's a high bar. And by all accounts, Laura Dern's going to be there. Yep. Everybody's really getting on the bandwagon with her. I've yet to see a performance this year that is on the level of the last few years of performances. And but that's a high bar. Yeah, I'm and I'll take it. I'll take the other side of that. I think supporting actor is going to be loaded. You know, Could I mean, be. we already talked about Tom Hanks is probably in there. Hopefully, Brad Pitt will stay in supporting actor. Anthony Hopkins, uh, yeah. Matt Damon, yeah, all Tracy these A level superstar, A level actors and thespians yeah. are taking supporting roles this year just by happenstance for some reason. Right down to like your Joe Pesci's of the world that are coming back. So, oh, very true. Very so true. I don't think there's going to be room for any, many surprise. There's going to be one. There's always one. I don't surprise. think this will be the one surprise nominee that kind of sneaks in I as just, far as Wesley Snipes goes. Yeah, maybe if we study it, maybe it's there. Yeah. And we just we weren't able to live with it long enough. Uh, I do think he he's doing some interesting things. And he's done types. again. He's done dirty by the script. I think. Like yeah. I, I think he came to to play. And I think the script just plays with what kind of character he's supposed to be. So this movie is going for original screenplay. I was worried going in that it was going to be pimps and hoes centric. It's not that at all. <laughs> when we first heard of this movie, we thought yeah. Dolomite was an actual pimp. Not a character, not a movie character. We thought Correct. it was a, we're like, oh boy. We're jerks. Right. We didn't do our research. But this is basically about a comedian coming up with a character. Yes, he makes a ton of dirty jokes, but he's got Queen Bee there, Divine Joy Randolph, making a bunch of dirty jokes from the other side of the gender divide, which is great. Yeah. And you have a dad joke showcase here, Michael. <laughs> I wish our dad jokes were half as good. I was laughing at how bad some of these All jokes right. were, how awesomely I, bad. I was thinking about last night having this laid <laughs> off the show, but I'll, I'll put it in here since okay. you brought it up. Okay. I have never... We've seen 25, 30 movies together it's over together. the course of doing yeah. this. Yeah. I have never heard you laugh as much, as hard, as often as I have heard you laugh in this movie. I found it really, really funny. I thought they did a nice job. I, I always thought Eddie Murphy was funny. And 
I think in that particular scene where I was really having a giggle fit, I was snorting. You lost it. I was snorting, but the fact that... There were that six people in the theater, and you it made it sound like there was a packed house. Something was so goofy. <laughs> like, the kung fu was so goofy that it, it killed me. And then the fact that you weren't laughing... I didn't, and that's, like, the contrast was so stark, because I usually give courtesy laughs for everything. Because you turned to me, and you're like, you're insane. <laughs> it's like, you're nuts. You're, you're losing it. You literally... Stop! And that made me laugh all the harder, because I... I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. It was a reflex. Uh, so I enjoyed that fact. But let's talk about the big negative of the script here. Transitional scenes. Oh, my God. It's embarrassing. It's pretty it's, bad. It's Well, transitional and exposition scenes yes. It's are just... I mean, there's a scene where Eddie Murphy's character is walking up to a homeless man looking for another homeless man early in this movie. Right. And the homeless man, instead of answering, hey, I don't know this person you're looking for, or get away from me, or do you have any money, or any kind of, I guess, stereotypical homeless character response, he just immediately goes into this diatribe yeah. about how this hotel behind him used to be the most hopping place in town, and now it's run down and filled with junkies, and it's so sad, and it's like, it's a beautiful story, but it's supposed to be answering the question of where can I find Rico? <laughs> yes. And there's a funny payoff to that scene yeah. with what the homeless guy says back. And there's a funny payoff to a couple of these scenes in a, in a way. But every time they take to the streets, it's like they're walking and talking and telling us not only the plot, and how they're getting from one movement to the next, but they're telling us like the themes and why it's important. And they're that it telling drove you me character nuts. motivations. Like they're, Titus Burgess and Eddie Murphy are walking down the street carrying groceries. You know, my father was a jackass, and he never said I would. Man, we're carrying like lemons here. Honestly, did these writers, did Karaszewski and Alexander, did they go to screenwriting at school, and did they did they tell these guys, listen, when you're in an interior, you have a scene, whatever it is, substance of the scene, there it is. But when you hit an exterior, exposition, yeah, just jump, jump, exposition. That's and all they it was, did. It was glaring too. That's the worst part. It was so painfully obvious that this was happening, it was and terrible. it really did take you out of some of these scenes. It took me out of the movie because yeah. some of the scenes in between were great. Yeah, I would have just put my flag on those scenes and say, "All right, well, I'm dramatizing all this great stuff. Yep. Let that tell the movie. And if you have to do some exposition, you got to put it at the beginnings of those scenes, maybe because then you'll forget about it, or you got to do a better." job of weaving it in what just did terrible. that scene where he's talking about his father how harsh he was to him growing up what did that scene offer to the script and to the plot and to the theme of the movie where he's explaining the exposition dump to titus burgess characters what did we get from that scene that we didn't get from when he's alone by himself with the picture right you know no, you I mean? just get yeah. the, the second version right yeah i agree it's it's really bad and it's so far more cinematic if you just keep the picture scene in there. You know, it's just I a agree. missed opportunity. I agree. Uh, it's very unfortunate. It's like they had to just overkill right. all the information dumps. Just pounding it. Into, yeah, I'm, I agree. I'm with this yeah. movie otherwise. I'm with it. Sure. But, so that was sad for me. Oscar lens to close it out now, Mike. Costume design, Ruthie Carter, we're saying yes. This is Ad Astra-esque to me. I don't yeah. think anything is like Stark, and I don't. I, I know a lot of people are very high on Brad Pitt's performance. I happen to not to be. I don't think anything should really make it. But in that movie, production design or cinematography, if not both, have to be nominated. This movie, costume design, has to be nominated. She I, I, nailed I, I, it. A thousand percent she nailed it. I think it's so much fun. It's featured in the film. I'm all about it. Makeup and hair styling... 
it's a maybe for me right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't feel either way good. about it. I'm fine with it if it does. I understand it. And if it doesn't, I, I get that too. So I get it. Cool that we're getting five nominees this year. Original score, I'm score deaf. I remember the soundtrack. I don't remember the score. Do you remember it, any yes, of the Yes, I score? do. There was oh, a good. lot of... Oh, good. A lot of that <laughs> 70s, like satire porn scene type uh fozzy bear scene yes. porn scene okay yes. very good uh so, all right so let's get to the big three performances eddie murphy wesley snipes divine joy randolph do they get nominated mike no i don't think any of them do i really don't i can see i can see a world in which people are just so happy to have eddie murphy back and yeah. relevant and I said to you afterwards, I think it's pretty obvious that a lot of the co-stars in this that just had really bit parts, Chris Rock, Snoop Dogg, a lot of big players yeah. did this because Eddie Murphy's involved. And I think, like, Chris Rock talks all the time about how Eddie Murphy was a huge inspiration for him and he loved yeah. him growing up. So I think there is a love of Eddie Murphy and there's, people are desperate for him to be a mainstream A-list guy again. And people a, are going to be excited for him to be back in SNL. And people are excited for him to be back as a leading man and bankable. And so I can see a world in which he sneaks into the best actor category. There's a narrative yeah. here. There's a strength to the narrative where at the end of the day, we could we could see something happen. Right. Now, at this stage of the game, the punditry... They're not on board. Gold Derby had six out of 28 nominations for Eddie. Divine only three for 27. Mm -hmm. Snipes two for 28. So it doesn't look good there. Now, all that being said, the most recent postings have Dolomite in, and the earlier postings from like a week or two ago do not. So maybe they just didn't see the movie at that point. So that could change. Original screenplay, 3 out of 27. Costumes, 11 out of 17. Production design, 1 out of 17. Best picture, 3 How out of 28. give this 11 out of Unless you just haven't seen it yet. Because these, if you're... I guess a historical piece to do costumes for is kind of easier than just making them up because you actually have a basis and a blueprint. Mm -hmm. But this blueprint is absurd <laughs> because of how <laughs> wild these costumes are. And I don't think half of these patterns exist in 2019. Just to mimic those right. costumes. Right. So I, 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 you have to nominate this for costumes. I, I agree. Feinberg said Murphy is his 8, Snipes is his 17, Divide Join Randolph 12, Original think, Screenplay 6. Yeah, that probably makes sense as far as what I... I would be a little lower on screenplay. Right. Because of what we're talking about here with all the faults we see in the script, but that's probably about fair. And Clayton had Best Picture 33. Eddie was his six. Snipes 10, Divine 20, Screenplay 9, Production Design 17. Costume Design is in his top five, number four. Makeup and Hairstyling 16, Original Score 19. Yeah, again, probably fair. Murphy's on the border here, and he, certainly, he might get a bump a little bit. I don't expect to see any of these three performances there. If it was the Academy of Mike 1, like I always like mm -hmm. talking about because I'm an egotistical maniac, uh, I would go Snipes 1, Divine Joy Randolph 2, Murphy would be my third, but I don't think any of them get it at the end of the day. I would have almost the reverse of that because I do think Snipes has a chance. I would say Divine Joy Randolph 3, but I, it's just because of the logjam of supporting actresses on that same level. Like performances that I really yeah. like. Yeah, yeah. I get it. The problem is there's a lot of bad scenes for her. That's the unfortunate thing. But again, go to goldderby.com. Go to uh, Feinberg Forecast at the Hollywood Reporter and Award Circuit, their hub, to, to see all those numbers as they evolve throughout the season. We'll be you know, continuing this conversation on Oscar Race Checkpoints, our weekly show there, to recap the race and everything that's going on with this season. Final non-spoiler thoughts, Mike? Is this a watch? Is this a go to the movie theaters and watch for you 
Okay. I was thinking about how I was going to answer this question. Right. And here's where I landed on this. We've been doing this mm-hmm. almost three years now, or we live two and a half, two and something a half like years, that. Yep. This is going to be our third Oscars I think we're covering, right? Mm-hmm. Early in this and having done this for a little bit, we do market ourselves a film appreciation. We are, and we try to like give the shine to a lot of movies. Now that we've seen so many should be and might be and maybe are contenders, it's getting to the point where it's like, they're, they're feeling like, oh man, like more of a letdown that they aren't up to the snuff of contending. Sure. So based on that, I would say you could skip this. You could certainly skip this in theaters regardless. In terms of the Oscar of imperative. Right, right. Now, okay. if you watch this, are you going to feel like you're wasting your time if you want a fun movie? No, absolutely not. So this that, is a joy. That's where I land. Yeah. I mean, I had a fun time at the movies with right. you. And I, well, and you had a fun. Well, you didn't care who was there. You I were having care. a fun yeah, time. I was having a fun time. I was, I was having a good. I, I, I had a great time. Anyway, so let's be honest. I had a great time. I'm, I want to watch this again on Netflix. I want to see if this holds up. So you know, you can see it next week. It drops on Friday, October 25th, I believe. And I think it's going to be in theaters till then. So you know, if you want to be a patron of of the, the cinematic arts, I would say go see it in this theaters. This is a good, good breakdown. Time. For whatever reason, Netflix decided to release this one wide than pretty much anything. They, I mean, The Irishman isn't getting this kind of release no, in theaters. So, isn't that crazy? So if you are an advocate of the theater experience and you're the type of person that thinks that the theater-going experience means something, this is your chance to prove that, right? And Go. I think the best cinematic goods for a, a movie theater experience, experience is that music, right? I mean, the music... Oh, yeah. Yeah. In the theater, you can't get that at home. And props to Craig Robinson. He actually was singing one of those songs. I mean, good for him. Great job. Uh, and, you know, if you have trouble with your vision, if you see this on a big enough screen, maybe the stark patterns will fix your eyesight because it'll be like sit looking into the eyes of the Lord for the first time. He does a great job <laughs> with the uh, the vocals. Yeah, I'll agree. Oh, that's all I'll say. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's dance. Yeah. Spoilers ahead! This is a spoiler warning. Spoilers. 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 section of the Oscar Sprint profile of the movie Dolomite Is My Name, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. If you've not seen this movie yet, there's a good place for you to hit pause, go to the theater, go check it out for yourself. If you've seen the movie already, if you're just curious to hear our thoughts, if we've hyped up the spoiler section for you so much in the non-spoiler section that you cannot possibly go another minute without hearing our thoughts, this is where you want to be. All spoilers from here on out for the movie Dolomite Is My Name, the Oscar Sprint profile, brought to you by Mike, Mike, and Oscar. Mike, I just wanted to kick off by mm-hmm. reading a review that, for whatever reason, IMDb has highlighted by this user, Red Barracuda, as far as the original Dolomite from 1975. The black exploitation genre certainly produced some bizarre oddities, that's for sure. Dolomite is firmly in this category. Mm-hmm. On a technical level, it's appalling. With bad camera work, acting, action, and story, the boom mic is visible so often that it really deserves a mention in the credits. 
But these considerations are ultimately irrelevant. In fact, the sheer scale of the cinematic incompetence is certainly one of the actual joys of the movie. The filmmakers just didn't care and seemingly knocked this one out with little concern for such matters. So this movie made $12 million at the box <laughs> office in 1975. It's something that I think we're both curious to see. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever gone and tried to watch Planet Nine from Outer Space no. after Ed Wood? I, I watched the you know room, obviously, mm -hmm. after the disaster artist. I, I'm totally curious for Dolomite <laughs> and Planet Nine at this stage. I mean, there is a kick in the trailer where somebody's supposed to be getting kicked in the face. Oh. And for what, I don't know why they chose this to be left in, the foot stops a foot, like a foot and a half before the guy's face, <laughs> yes. and it's so painfully obvious. So I wonder if they thought they were making a spoof, or if, like this movie suggests, and I would tend to believe this because the movie is portraying this, they thought they were making like a good cinematic movie, and they wanted to compete with Shaft and whatnot, which is why I thought the lens I viewed this through before I, re I knew it was a, mm -hmm. a smash hit and a box office success for 1975, I thought this was going to be like kind of a tragedy. I thought it was people putting their all into the movie, not realizing how bad it was, and I thought it was going to end on a sour note. Not knowing anything about the Rudy Ray Moore real-life person, I, I thought this was just going to be like a biographical film of somebody that kind of failed at what they were doing. So was that holding you back from your oh, laughter? Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure, because I thought this was all taken seriously. Because you thought you would have been laughing at him? And at his failure? I feel like you were laughing at him a couple times, but yes. <laughs> I was laughing at his, some of his dad joke <laughs> prowess. I mean, but I do think that act one was not the act one I expected. Let's, let's put it this way. I mean, it's basically about Eddie Murphy working at a record store and being a stand-up comedian who's terrible. And then he minds the jokes of hobos and winos yeah. to find like his setups and his comedy. That was like one of those nuggets of truth, Mike, which is just like too crazy to be true nuggets of truth that we base these movies on. Like this project doesn't get greenlit without that factoid in there. I love this. And that like, that was just, that blew my mind. It was terrific. I felt, I felt bad for Rico. <laughs> yeah, me too. I feel bad for anyone who has their material but stolen outright. Rico is immortal now though because of that. <laughs> but as act ones go, this was effective. I don't think they needed all the exposition to, to set it up. I mean, you could have just played the hobo stuff cut to the hobo stuff bam you got a scene that we can follow like what is what is the why does he have to just blah this is why i'm here what did you think about how the material worked right out of the gate the homeless man breaks into the record store tries the dolomite shtick it gets some laughs nobody really is an uproar mm -hmm. eddie murphy ruby rudy ray turns into dolomite does it all on the stand-up mic to a crowd that's probably seen him before because he's been the longtime host and it just kills right away. I, I think I like the fact that he took from the front page not working on him. He took from the winos who didn't work on the people of that record store. And right. he took like from negatives. He learned from bad movies. Like we always say that we can we can learn more from a bad movie than we do well, from a good yeah, movie. Yeah, that's certainly a theme of his uh, personality with this, without question. And he steals from unsuccessful properties, I guess, in many ways. 
<laughs> he takes from his bad music career. You know, he takes from all these things. And I, I really like that fact because as an artist, it's more failure than it is not. Yeah, you're adapting and you're using, he's literally using his failures to propel him further in his career. I agree. I think that's truth yeah. there. I mean, that, that's really cool. Act two is all about like him becoming a stand-up comedian star. Which was underground star, mm-hmm. which was a lot of fun, selling albums out of his trunk, selling them out of the record store, on the road, meeting Divine Joy Randolph. That that was fun. Again, not what I expected. I figured we're getting this movie about making the movie almost right from the beginning. And how he gets that idea I like. And then he's making the movie for the second half of Act Two heading into Act 3, where basically you're wondering how the movie's going to do. What did you think of the overall structure? It felt very cookie-cutter, right? Like, it's like, down on his luck. Here's the rise to prominence. Mm -hmm. Here's where he's taking a risk. Here's where the risk pays off. Here's where the risk might fail. It was a very easy arc to understand that's been done a billion times, I feel like, in movies. The arc has been done a billion yeah. times. I, I mean, I just don't think this subgenre has been done enough. Not to my right, liking. Right. So I, I, I do get happy when I get this kind of a story. And it, ultimately, it touched my heart at the end. There's a big emotional moment there. Yes. And I, I thought it really worked. Let's get into best and worst. The biggest thing this movie has going for it that I did not expect at all is it's super inspirational. And that touches on what you were talking about. Like, this is a guy who refused to take no, who refused to be let his life be beaten down. He's the ultimate people pleaser. Yes, he wants to be famous, but this movie shows that drive being more used for good than it is for what we think of fame maybe in 2019, how people want to be famous just for the money aspect. You get that small-time guerrilla filmmaking feel to it. Yeah. And there's a quote in here that the record producers who are financing the movie, they're basically telling him, like, look, man, you can't make a movie for the five-block radius of people yeah. you know. And, but Eddie's like, you know what? In every city in the world and every town in the world, there's those five blocks. Yeah. So I'm making it for them. Every city in America got those same five blocks, and those folks are going to love it. So that was really cool. And I wish there was more like exposition and themes given through really quippy retorts like that, or really poignant retorts like that, rather than all the nonsense in between scenes. Like that, I thought that was perfect. Yeah, I agree with that. And I also thought it was nice to see record executives that weren't really trying to take advantage of the artist. They weren't huge dicks, the yeah. whole movie, mustache twirling, right. white men. I thought that nightmares. was unique, especially for this type of film, because we're so used to that. And I thought because it's a black exploitation film and these are white rec- or white movie producers, record executives, whatever, however you want to classify them, well, there would be that clash. But they were very much on Eddie Murphy's side the let's entire just, movie. Let's just say this. Even if they were trying to do that at the end of the day, they were telling him, like, listen, right, you're going to be working for free the rest right. of your life. They're warning him throughout. Which is more leeway than we get from many other executives in that same role in I mean, various uh, other movies. Rocket Man. Right, right. So right. Give me exactly. Break. You're my love interest now. You're the end of me. You're my downfall. Come on. Terrible. Bohemian Rhapsody? Yeah. I mean, oh, it's yeah. just off. I mean, literally Mike Myers playing right. Michael Myers as a record <laughs> producer. It was the worst. So Snoop Dogg, Craig Robinson... Keegan-Michael Key, I mean, this cast is phenomenal. How did you like all those kind of passing the ball scenes? Because you got showcase scenes for all these characters. I love the Snoop Dogg one, too. I love the Chris Rock scene. I mm-hmm. thought that was good. You get two scenes with Chris Rock. I, I thought they were a lot of fun. The Chris Rock scene was awfully convenient to the plot. 
Oh, yeah. I just happen to have a cousin who runs this movie house in Indianapolis. Here's his number. Uh, I don't know if it happened like that, obviously. If it did, then that's what are you going to do. That's happenstance. But the way it was presented seemed awfully convenient. But, yeah, I think everybody played their role. I love seeing Keegan-Michael Key as, like, an uptight screenwriter. That was perfect. And he's, like, the straight man, which is rarely ever done. He's usually more ridiculous, and that's what his comedic chops are. Dancing on the line of snob. Right. Or, you know, trying to fit in. I, I, and he I plays Jerry Jones, yeah. who's the legitimate screenwriter of yeah. the original Dolomite movie, who's... <laughs> Got this, I guess, really legitimate theater background and wants to be serious to the point that when they get to the big ultimate sex scene, which was hilarious in the movie, he writes this, he pens this really intimate and and romantic sex scene that's supposed to be crucial to the plot. And unbeknownst to him, it's turned into a farce and he's like offended at it, but everyone's laughing at it. So here's the thing, though. The movies and the characters are aware of the fact that it became a farce. Right. And that's what was so fun about one of the scenes by Divine Joy Randolph that I really liked where she convinces Eddie to say, hey, just make the sex scene funny. I mean, I I thought that was an excellent scene. Not all sex scenes need to be serious. Yeah, this is my life. My sex life has has been hilarious. It's not been... (laughs) She was awesome in that scene. That was a great point to put through. Everybody takes that so seriously. So, of course, they made a huge gag out of the sex scene, which was great. I, I love that. And I think these characters aren't so arrogant that they were going to make this movie like Tommy Wiseau was making the movie in Room. And that that character's tough to like at the end of the day. And he's very dubious, let's just say. Does it, did he know he was making a bad movie? Of course he didn't. Or maybe he did, you know, maybe it's, it's he was a thinking lens. it was going yeah, It's poorly, certainly a but. lens choice. I mean, you you viewed it through the lens that it was meant to be viewed through, and that, that changed the experience. That's why you were laughing so much and I wasn't. If you know that the characters are in on the joke the whole time, and it's not like The Room, where they think they're making this awesome piece of cinema, which kind of probably had a BS ending anyway, where mm-hmm. the whole theater was laughing at Tommy Wiseau, and then he buys into it. Right. At some point, he know, and I have, you know this by the end of the movie, regardless of what lens you have, if you're viewing Dolomite is my name, but at some point, you know everyone's in on the joke. And that's what makes it okay to laugh at all this stuff, because they're meant to be laughed at. And the big scene with Keegan-Michael Key and Eddie Murphy sitting down to come up with the plot, it ends with like this... So funny. Well, yeah, but it ends with like this profound thing. It's like, I know nightclubs. I know the nightlife. I know show business. And you think that's where the movie's going to go, right? But then... From earlier in the scene, the kung fu, the, the all girl kung, kung fu, fu army. Yeah, we were just missing the exorcism. <laughs> and now the exorcism line <laughs> killed me. Um, it did add some layers to to Eddie Murphy's Ru- Rudy Ray character because I know I said he was one note, but he was a very much a people pleaser. But he genuinely didn't think his story was worth telling. And you get these glimpses of like other facets of yeah. his character, where you you get the glimpse of him being downtrodden and flipping out at his friends in the diner and being like, "I'm not a disposable bank. I can't keep paying for your food right. and your extra greens and blah blah blah." So you get these little nibbles, and I always get more frustrated when I see the potential for something more yeah. and it's not followed through on. And I feel like that's a, a signal of it. Pull on that thread yeah. more than you did. All that being said, I do think this movie had the goods, though. Like, there's enough to where maybe they didn't want to get too sad with it because there's so many yeah, fun Yeah, they don't scenes. give you a chance to get down on this movie. Right. They really don't. I mean, I mean you're 
laughing. He's inspirational the whole time. I mean, yeah. think about it. Think about the structure of the movie. That's why I wanted to start about with that. I mean, you don't have to live with him being depressed too, for too long right. because he's wearing those outfits around town <laughs> going to clubs. And then his, you know, he's learning hilarious jokes from hobos. And then he's basically doing a stand-up comedy tour. And then he's making a movie about this ludicrous stuff that he knows is ludicrous, but that he thinks will please the people. And yeah. then, of course, he shows it to the people. Like, that is a fun plot right. without too many valleys. That's why I think when they put the valleys in there, they kind of force them in. So let's get to some worse scenes here. The worst of the worst for me was what they did to Wesley Snipes' Duval Martin character. Yeah, I didn't uh, like that scene at He's all. played well by Snipes, I feel like. but I There's think two was, scenes I hated, to be honest. Yeah. Well, same here. So here's the breakdown of this Duval character as it's told through the script to us. Right. Duravel is this borderline mainstream Hollywood actor. He's worked with, like, Roman Polanski. He's been in Rosemary's Baby. He's worked with... Bit parts, yeah. Yeah, bit parts in big movies. So he's approached in the club to take part of Dolomite, and he says, no, I have an agent. You have to go through the proper channels, blah, blah, blah. And he's challenged me. He only accepts the job of taking part in this movie if his ego is stroked by being offered the director's gig. Even though he is... From the minute he takes it, he can't wait to be done with the movie entirely because mm -hmm. he thinks it's shoddily run. But in the meantime, he's given the heart-to-heart -heart speech with Eddie Murphy as he got to dig deep like I saw John Cassavetti tell his actors to do one time. And then he just happens to also be around the corner when Eddie Murphy's pleading with the executives to get more film because they're running out of money. And he just happens to be around the corner smoking a cigar and eavesdropping on this conversation. It, it was a strange misdirect with that character. You thought that character was going to... Buy in. Buy in yeah. and change. And he really did give him a, what seemed to be a genuine right. pep talk there. And then a scene later... You know, I'm going to go take part in a real movie, he says. After yeah, this. and he totally just insults the yeah. entire crew. What? Shits on their parade for the rap there. Which is fine. I, I guess you're trying to say he's trying to get the most out of the scene he's in personally. Right. But I think for me, it's like the movie forcing some turmoil there. It's just forcing yeah, it down because what probably happened was a great... I mean, maybe it happened. I don't know. Right. But the way this movie's going, like, it's all just fun stuff. And they needed to throw that drama in there with a character that I didn't think they necessarily wrote in as just that device. Right. Or they shouldn't have written him in as just that device. They could have done a better job. More people could have had doubts. They could have, yeah, honestly, they could have filmed that scene at the trunk of the car, which was hilarious. <laughs> my favorite scene of the movie. And then Eddie Murphy could, could have been like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. Right, or, or right. Somebody could have been like, doubting himself. Yeah. That looks ridiculous. Or guess what? There's another $20,000 that you owe because you blew up that car or whatever. You could have had all this stuff. You could have gotten more into the finances, right. whatever. I, I think they forced some really heavy conflict, just like they did at the end of the movie, Mike. That whole pickup lady being green, which I'm so grateful for that scene. That was just wonderful. <laughs> like the whole, I mean, it's so funny. All those costumes in a regular neighborhood like that, yeah. hilarious. <laughs> but they pick her up, and then the limo ride, they're all like doubting that anybody's going to be there. They're playing this enormous theater. No. They just were a smash yeah, hit. They yeah. just sold the rights to their movie to Dimension Pictures. There was two sequences of scenes where we know how this is right. playing on people. Yep. It's To me, it's already in the bag. Right. Like, it's cinched up. Like, what are they talking about? Again, forcing doubt. The doubt in that scene is brought on by 
professional critics tearing down the movie. Mm -hmm. Maybe that was cathartic for Eddie Murphy to take part in because he's had some critically panned movies and he's saying critics don't know a damn and that's maybe written in for his. I don't know, but it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't matter what the critics say. You know you have a hit. You just sold out the Indianapolis Theater. Yeah, and you had a 98 approval rating. That's why you got the meeting with Dimension. You're probably going to know that everybody's (laughs) going to be there. Right. Like, how does he not know? You just promoted the movie. It's ridiculous. So... Yeah, I, I, I hate a bunch of the speeches in this, especially in that limo. How to how did my life get so small? Auntie Exposition. My God. <laughs> the woman from Borat. She's hilarious in the Borat movies. And I thought she was funny here, too. I thought she was funny, I'm too. I'm only giving you the money because you're going to take out my breath. Yeah, I mean, he's hugging <laughs> her so my hard. That, that was a great payoff yeah. to that scene. But I want the world to know I exist speech. Uh, there's all the stuff about his father and to the mirror that bothered me. Well, you're still a star to me. Divine Joy Randolph speech. Come on! Like, his biggest victory in this was getting... You could argue it was people appreciating the movie, but his biggest victory was getting the movie made. Mm -hmm. And the only real obstacle he ever had to overcome in this movie in terms of having that biggest victory was getting the extra money from the executives. Which... It's kind of a smaller thing in the plot. Total throwaway scene. It's a one scene, and the executive's like, okay. Yeah, they're like, you know you're going to owe us forever. You're in trouble if this flops, but here's the money. Here's the money. So the biggest conflict, the biggest obstacle on the road to the main character's biggest victory is not given any spotlight. Yeah. So it doesn't, there's no conflict here. And it's hindered even more by the character being so enthusiastic and optimistic about absolutely everything, which I know sounds like just a complaint from a curmudgeon, as I usually am, but it it hinders the movie here. It it does hinder the movie. I mean, your currency for a a movie like this is some drama. Right, exactly. They don't dramatize it properly, which is is very unfortunate. Have the inspirational character overcome something, and when he does overcome it, spotlight it. It Give work. it the dramatic iron. Give it a dramatic effect. Something. All that being said, I thought the finale paid off. The fact that he does, yeah. does not go totally. to the premiere and he stays out with the midnight and 2 a.m., you know, lying around the block audience and he performs for them starting at, at first and foremost with that little kid. These people are going to be out here till 2 a.m. They came to see Dolomite, so I'm going to give them Dolomite. And that goes perfectly in line with the Rudy Ray character that Eddie Murphy was portraying. He's a people pleaser. He want, he just wants to make people smile. He just wants to entertain. He wants to be famous because he wants an audience to laugh at what he's doing. Right. That's his That's his whole genesis. That's his whole constitution as a person. So that's his big win there at the end. So the narrative, Eddie Murphy's comeback movie with all these stars... The costumes, no doubt about it. Yeah. And I think the feel-good factor is going to play in. So th- sure, this movie could. Yeah. might get more nominations than we're expecting at the moment. We'll see. I'm kind of a one nomination for it at the end of the day. But, uh, that's where I land. Yeah, yeah. that's where I land. But, uh, you know, we as critics get bogged down in this. Just because it's not an Oscar-type movie, it's not going to be in the running for Best Movie of the Year, doesn't mean it's not worthwhile. And Netflix especially, again, we talk all the time, they're the home now for this mid-budget, take-a-chance original property. Mike, if I got a movie like this every month, I'd be happy with the movie industry. I really would. And and it's a genre piece that you don't normally get. So, I I mean, my grade at the end of the day, B86 all day, I think it's a B movie. Not a B movie in the sense that Dolomite was a B movie, but in the sense that this is a fairly high grade for me. Yeah, I'm lower, and it's because I have to be lower, because I can't put this as a higher grade than Parasite. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the problem but, with you. But you per- want to know what your problem yeah. is? 
Oh, your negativity on Parasite yeah. is going to fuck up your oh, yeah. curve. Oh, yeah. It's yeah, going to, yeah. you are rattled uh-huh. right now because uh-huh. you realize how good that movie is. And no, well no, 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 no. Don't put and those words in my it's mouth. It's sinking all the other no. ships uh, yeah. in the Mike Ocean, the Mike Listen, One Ocean. If, if me holding the torch and lighting the way for people to see Parasite for what it actually is means I have to go lower on Dolomite is my name than normal, I'm okay with that sacrifice. But you admitted my point was made. In that, it's not a good movie. <laughs> Seventy-eight C plus. Dolomite is my name. That's where I do it. As a, I would probably go B minus otherwise, but now it's a C plus because I have to take it down. That's that's ridiculous. <laughs> I get angry. The, the the wave of anger that just flowed through me. I hope some of it channeled through the microphone there, but I don't know. I don't know if it happened. We, as always, want to know your comments, questions, concerns, thoughts. Obviously, when you do get your hands on this, if you do go see it in the theater and if you do catch it on Netflix either or, we want to know what your experience was. We want to know your thoughts on the movie overall and in general and what your grades are personally. You can leave us those thoughts, comments, questions, as well as anything else we do cover here in the MMO Empire. You can leave us those at Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Facebook, Mike, Mike, and Oscar on Instagram, at MM and Oscar on Twitter, Mike, Mike, and Oscar at gmail.com.com, and on Reddit. We are available everywhere. You hear podcasts, including and especially Apple Podcasts. And if you would be so kind, if you have an iPhone, use iTunes, or just use the Apple Podcast app. On your iPhone, there is a little purple square for your podcast app. It's got a little dolomite, white dolomite sticking out from the middle of it, I guess we'll mm-hmm. call that. Uh, antenna type thing. Tap on that. Type in Mike, Mike, and Oscar in the search and submit. You'll be seeing our logo there. You can tap on our faces. Scroll down once and leave us a five-star review. You've been doing that. We just got one yesterday. I meant to read it out. I didn't write it down. Maybe I'll give it a shout-out on ORC, but we just got one yesterday. It was very, very nice. Yes, thank uh, you. So, if you do leave us those, we are going to try to read those out on air. Uh, Mike, what's coming next from MMO and what? Uh, what's the other thing I always ask you? Wisdom. Yeah. And <laughs> I don't know if I have it here, but hey, good start for Netflix. I mean, I think yeah. that's wise to say. Sure. I, th- I think this is kind of the start of their award season stuff. Beyond the documentaries so we're going to talk about the documentaries to segue just seamlessly i'm really proud of myself here (laughs) we're going to talk about the critics choice documentary award nominations in the upcoming oscar race checkpoint those are more intriguing than you'd think and i've I've seen a bunch of those movies uh i'm going to make the case for or against you don't know pain and glory uh a few other movies that i saw that are in oscar conversation right now and then of course we got a ton of news and some new contenders on the rise this week, like yeah. Margot Robbie from Bombshell, yep. et cetera, et cetera. So a lot of award season stuff to talk about. Finally, we're going to do some more horror movie stuff. We have all the horror installment number three in the MMO's history. This is our third time participating in that great event. This year we're doing a clip show uh, basically previewing Zombieland Double Tap, where we have all our friends talk about how they would spend the zombie apocalypse. Mike, your teaser on how you would spend the zombie apocalypse is fetal Ad- position. Adult-sized diapers. Adult-sized diapers, yeah. very good. Uh, well, you got your run of the m- <laughs> amok of supermarkets in the zombie Oh, there'll be world. a muck. There will be a muck. Uh, and finally, we're going to do our second annual Horror Movie Awards show, yeah. The Scaries, which was a lot of fun last year. I think we did a couple genres and subgenres, and we also we always do the horror movies of the year in question. So we're yeah, we purposely said we left some genres open to comment on this year, last year, but I'll be damned if I can remember what they are. So I got to go back. We and look have at, to go back. Well, and last year we did monster movies, horror comedies for sure. I don't know if we did, did I slasher we just did movies. Slashers because of the Halloween. 
We might have just did Slashers. <laughs> we might have did Slashers, too, but I think horror comedies and... All right. Uh, or I did the research for those topics, but we didn't do them last yeah. year. We just did Slashers, like your memory Should says. Probably go listen to that episode. We got to listen to that get episode Get ourselves again. straight. Anyway, Oscar sprint profiles coming up. The Lighthouse, Jojo Rabbit. And then November is just the floodgates, it's Mike. A joke. Talk about Netflix. We got The King. We got Harriet, Motherless Brooklyn. We got uh, Honey Boy, Ford versus Ferrari, Frozen 2, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, Knives Out, Marriage Story at the beginning of December. My God, we got a lot of movies to review. Which ones will we get to and which ones will we review on Oscar Ace Checkpoint? I don't know anything yet. <laughs> I don't know anything yet, but we had a great opportunity to review Dolomite today, which was fun. <laughs> Guys, when reality sucks, you can come watch movies with us. We are Mike, Mike, and Oscar trying to make awards season year round without the stuffiness we will see you soon yes i would if i could